Hi, I'm Greg Fisher, and you're listening to Ben Station Radio, where I talk to local entrepreneurs, artists, and other interesting people about the projects they're working on and why they're so excited to be doing them in Bend. All right, sweet. Um, good morning. I'm here with Stacy Totlin. She is the founder and organizer of Four Peaks Music Festival, which is happening in June. So thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to really dive deep. I'm a big fan of music and um, a big fan of festivals. And I'd love to know, honestly, like being the organizer of a big festival, what's like the most outrageous thing that has ever happened um, at a festival um, that you're willing to share? At uh, one of the Four Peaks music festivals? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you say that because big is relative. You know, Four Peaks music festival um, started bigger than we actually then we morphed and got smaller and then we built back up and got bigger again but again bigger is relative because you know there's all these big festivals out there and and the nice thing is four peaks looks big from the outside and the band caliber we get is is huge it's just like any other large festival but we keep it so small you know there's only this year about 1500 people coming on site so it's pretty intimate but i would say (laughs) The, the most outrageous thing, I don't know if, if outrageous is the, the best word, but pretty cool and amazing for a small festival was uh, in 2008, and some people out there might even remember this, um, we had two stages side by side, and the idea was to have one main stage and then a smaller stage on the side, so there was never a break in music. And actually, that's Four Peaks philosophy to this day is we never really have a break in music. We have a side stage going. And then the minute the side stage ends, the larger main stage goes. But um, in 2008, we had a pretty good sized stage next to the main stage. And they were right next to each other. So somebody, in fact, Matt Butler from the Everyone Orchestra, got this idea. All of a sudden, it was about seven o'clock at night. And he gets this idea like, wait a minute, what if we have a bunch of musicians on one stage from all the different bands and a bunch of musicians on the other stage from all the bands. And I can simultaneously direct them like a sort of like a, a symphony, you know, or like an orchestra and I can direct them and cue them from the crowd on both stages. And so he got this idea and all of a sudden uh, one of my partners at the time drove his truck out to the middle of the crowd. I don't know how we got this going with 1500 people in a crowd. We got his truck out to the middle of the crowd, put some, big rectangular like eight foot tables that we had laying around on the top of his flatbed and Matt got up on the flatbed and uh, it ended up being almost a whole set of music to where we had I think at least 10 musicians on each stage and they didn't see each other so they didn't know what was going on but Matt started conducting both stages and they had this insane jam going and it and it sounded amazing and it was groovy and the crowd got so into it and everybody was dancing so hard for like a good hour and um, just to see that and to feel that energy in the crowd and the musicians, the smiles on those faces were unbelievable. And you had any, everybody from you know local musicians here in Bend to Trampled by Turtles and, as I said, members of the Everyone Orchestra and Hot Buttered Rum and Poor Man's Whiskey. And um, it was just, it was amazing. It was, it was a really cool moment when I didn't know what was going on. And I walk into the middle of the crowd, I'm thinking, <laughs> what is this guy doing on yeah. top of this truck? And I got for a minute, I got freaked out. Like, who just drove a truck into the middle of our crowd mm-hmm. and standing on it? Like, is this going to be a riot? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, I, of course, it took me two seconds to see what was going on on the stages, and I was blown away. And I think 
a lot of people were too. And to this day, that stands out as one of the moments at Four Peaks that everybody that has been on board with Four Peaks for that many years, they will always remember. That's really cool. <laughs> That's a cool story. And one of the things that I, that I noticed about Four Peaks, so, you know, I'm, I'm recently um, moved to Bend. And one of the things I noticed is that ALO played the first show and then they played last year. Mm -hmm. And so what did that kind of mean to you now that the festival, you know, has, has been around for a while? Was that was that a cool experience for you to bring them back? It was it was really cool because they um you know, they've been doing some great stuff ever since. I mean, they were they were pretty large uh in the, the first year 07 that we brought them and uh and then they've just been doing really great things since then and you know, they're on jam cruises and they're selling out shows and they're having great openers um and so to bring them back last year when my booking agent said, how about ILO? And I went, you know, that's a great idea because anybody that's also, well, anybody that was at the inaugural Four Peaks just thought that was really cool too. Because whether they knew ALO before Four Peaks or not, they became fans of ALO. And then when I brought them back, the buzz was huge because they thought, oh, th this would be so cool because they haven't been to bed since. And a really neat moment was when they were on stage last year and I got completely caught off guard actually. And they brought me up on stage to uh, essentially, you know, thank me and give me champagne and address the crowd. And I got so embarrassed because I don't <laughs> love being up there, but it was really cool because it was essentially us tipping our caps to each other, like welcome back, but look mm -hmm. where, how far you've come. And then I was sort of, you know, welcoming them back to four peaks. And, and I remember saying like, you know, they were here for the first one and now they're closing out the eighth one and it was it was really neat and uh to have you know rusted root on the stage last year that that was like such a blast for, from the past for everybody but they still got it you know and they still just rocked the crowd and and that was really neat as well and then the motet who headlined the other night besides alo last year they're one of my favorites from colorado and just to have the funk element with the, with the rock and the americana and the old school rusted root was was really neat and i think alo loved being back and and in a different format you know they were so much uh, well, they weren't better taken care of, but it was just different, the caliber that they had seen it grow to. They were pretty complimentary, so it was neat. So that brings up a, a question for me, um, kind of going back to the first one, was how, what was the inception like to create this festival? I mean, what what led up to it? And then what was the moment where you really <laughs> thought this is something that you wanted to do? <laughs> That's funny because um, in two, early 2007, I was approached by Eric Walton to say, hey, I know you lived and came from Telluride where you worked for a bunch of these festivals, which I did. I, I, I joined in, you know, Telluride Bluegrass and Jazz and Mountain Film and Film Fest. And so I loved working with these festivals because music has always been in my life. Um, and when he said, hey, I want to put on a a backyard party essentially with poor man's whiskey a band out of San Francisco. And, um, I know you've been involved with these things. Do you want to help? Let's make it kind of like a mini little festival, like a glorified family picnic. And I said, sure, I'm in glorified family picnic. Sounds easy. It yeah. sounds fun. It's great. I have a little experience. Let's do it. And that, that happened for about a month. And then all of a sudden we roped, uh, three other people in to help. And it became this, uh, the backyard party on his property slowly or quickly morphed into um, a festival on a larger property because I think his daughter and uh, the property owner's son were on a chairlift together and it was like, oh, I have a farm and we something came mm -hmm. up about having acreage. 
And so the family said, sure, you're welcome to use our property. And we went out and looked at the property and my jaw dropped and I was thinking, oh, this is a done deal. Let's do it. I mean, flat, open pastures, beautiful, grassy knolls, huge mountain views and all of the space we could imagine for roaming and dancing and, and having vendors and having flat camping. And so so quickly, the Four Man's Whiskey Party became, well, let's get, you know, we had ALO and New Monsoon and all these bands that were from the Bay Area, as well as a bunch from regionally, locally, Portland, Seattle. Uh, we just started to book them. And we, we really didn't know what we were doing as far as that realm was concerned, but um, it just started happening. And we had these huge visions of it. And so I think the first year we got a little ahead of ourselves um, where we had this amazing infrastructure to have 3,000 people on site. And we had about half that, which ended up being a perfect size. But uh, it just, yeah, I mean, it, it morphed pretty quickly. And so uh, we were thrown into it. And, and yeah, the next thing you knew, we had a full scale festival on our hands and we got a mass gathering permit for 2007 and 2008. And then we had to scale back because of the economy and some of my partners had left town. But, uh, after that in 2010, we came back. So we've always been on the same property, but we came back and had more of the family picnic style in 2010. And we had just an event permit. So up to 500 people. And when, when people realized this is not going away, uh, we had a couple bands that year. And then in 2011, really upped our game again. And then in 2012, went back to a mass gathering permit to where we got um, green sky bluegrass in 2013. Actually, 2012, we had um, Nikki Bloom and the Gramblers and the Mother Hips and uh, some other really great bands. Um, and then in 2013, that sold out again with Green Sky Bluegrass and March 4th Marching Band. And of course, Poor Man's Whiskey, they're always on the bill. They're like our house band and they've been wonderful. But so it just, it grew again to the point where then I bought my partners out and started doing it myself. And the mass gathering permit to do alone was quite daunting, <laughs> but I did it and it sold out, you know, every year since then. That's kind of leads into my next question and and something that that i find very interesting is like what does it take to throw a music festival that's you know uh, several days long that's um in the country on someone else's property with mm -hmm. bands who are from all over the country and people are coming um to attend the event from all over the country so like how many people are working on it how much time does it take is it an all-year affair for you <laughs> you know what's it really look like to run this Right. Um, in 2013, it turned into an all year affair. <laughs> so I sort of hang my hat on this. Like this is this is my passion. This is my baby. This is my career. And I absolutely love doing it. But it's a huge undertaking. And I have a wonderful uh, kind of team of volunteers and some staff members that um, one, I couldn't do it without my booking agent, Jason Beard, who's actually in Poor Man's Whiskey. Um, he helps me book the bands. And we sort of have this like bucket list at the beginning of every year. We go through and we see, you know, how it works, who who we can get, how it's routed. You know, the cost is always an, a, an issue, of course, and and just who we think would fit for our mission and vision and values on this property um, and fit together, you know, whether it's uh, bluegrass, jam band, Americana, rock, funk, um, but never will it be this crazy all out, you know, heavy metal, loud, loud music. Um, or 
you know, something that's really inappropriate for kids because it's so family friendly. So the booking is really methodically thought out. And this year, we're so excited. Um, this year, Chris Robinson Brotherhood, you know, formerly Black Crows, that is a pretty awesome thing to have on the main stage, as well as the Jeff Austin Band and Robin Ford. I mean, blues legend. So, so we methodically book this to where it makes sense to have on our stage and jives for the whole weekend. And we really draw everybody. I mean, families are huge. You know, we have, we, we have so many kids running around, um, kids under 10 are free. So it's, it's a big family affair. And so, so the bands, that's a huge piece of it. And I get help. Um, and then I have a site manager, a volunteer manager and a beverage manager. And I couldn't do this without those guys. I mean, just those are those four facets right there. Um, are almost full-time jobs in themselves. And so I get help a couple months out from them to run all of those areas. And, you know, the beverage manager, I mean, he takes care of all of our beer partners, the beer tent, which is the second stage, um, and all of the logistics for that on the weekend. And then the site manager, I'm everything from porta potties to the trash, to the zero waste we have coming from the environmental center people, to all of, you know, getting the vendors set up, the big tent, the main stage, the generators, I mean, all the power. It's it's a huge undertaking, and um, and then the volunteer manager, of course, he's managing over 150 volunteers for the weekend. So, wow. um, and I just sort of let them. Now they've been on board with me for at least seven years, so I sort of let them roll with it. Um, and then I think I said earlier, <laughs> it's sort of a family affair this year. My brother's helping with all the partners. We have some amazing partners on board this year, and we, who we couldn't do it out without financially, of course. Um, so that's a huge deal too, but yeah, it's, it's a full-time year round job for me now. And, and I, I hope that, you know, every year I just sell out or sell enough tickets to then keep it, keep it going. One question that I had for you, um, now that I hear you talking and really seeing your passion for music, Mm -hmm. do you play any instruments? (laughs) I, I sort of do. I picked up the mandolin uh, about five years ago because, or even longer actually, but it's been a couple of year lull since I feel, unfortunately, that had to go by the wayside about two years ago. But um, Will Nash, who is actually a, one of the partner, the ex-partners of Four Peaks, he started this with us. He built this beautiful mandolin for me because music, like you said, has always been a huge passion in my life. And I'd always just sit around at jams and watch. And I thought, you know, I really have a thing for the mandolin. I would love to play. And my parents one year commissioned Will to make me this gorgeous, gorgeous, Mm. amazing mandolin. And actually it spawned because um, two of my idols, like for music are Sam Bush and Jeff Austin and well, and Drew Emmett from Leftover Salmon. But Jeff Austin's going to be here this year from formerly of Yonder Mountain String Band. And he's one of the reasons I picked up the mandolin. So that'll be pretty cool to have him right up on my stage on the four peaks stage. But I do, I do try to play the mandolin, but I've gotten so busy with the festival. Like I said, it has gone by the wayside. And, um, but yes, music has been in my life forever. Just live music. I mean, the Telluride bluegrass festival was a huge component of that. And I, you know, jam bands and festivals that I've gone to and just having that in my life. This is such a good fit for me. Do you remember? sort of the first, the moment or the concert or the festival. Um, and I'm guessing this is from your youth that really was like when you knew this was something that you really cared about and something uh, 
that you were interested in? Yeah, two, you know, two things come to mind, actually. Uh, one was when I was in junior high and I got turned on to, at a very young age, I think I was 12, um, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Grateful Dead, Almond Brothers, and Jimi Hendrix. And I don't know how all of those artists came to me at that point or that young, but I think it had something to do with who was driving my carpool. <laughs> <laughs> he was a senior and he was listening to this stuff. And I'll never forget him telling me he was going to the Pink Floyd concert. I think it was like in 87. And then, um, so I started listening to that music then and I just loved kind of the older you know rock and roll and then um my parents would take me to concerts because growing up in los angeles you had all of this at your fingertips i mean huge concerts and huge artists right there all the time so they they took me to a neil diamond concert wow when i was really young and i don't know if that has anything to do with it because well it was neil diamond and he's of course great in his own way but um i started just going to a lot of live shows and actually one of them that stands out is Prince. I mean, seeing Prince, I was fifth row center and I was 15, so I couldn't drive myself yet. And my mom took me and a friend and that was just awesome to see and feel that energy live. And it just kind of goes on from there. The list goes on. And then one of the pivotal moments later was in 1994 when I got to see Pink Floyd mm -hmm. in the Bay Area of San Francisco. And that was just mind blowing. So that was on a bucket list of mine, like to see Pink Floyd live. And then, of course, you know, Grateful Dead and Fish and everything else after right. that. Um, but when I was in Telluride, I guess the other pivotal moment is when I was in Telluride in 1999 and Sam Bush took the stage and I was right up there near the stage. And I just, that energy and that mandolin and that live show with those mountains, and it was just, it just consumed me. It got into me. I'm really excited about, the Steve Miller band coming back because the first mm. concert I ever went to was Steve mm -hmm. Miller and it was actually in New York City on Governor's Island which was oh, a military base mm -hmm. my dad was in the Coast Guard and Steve Miller band played the island in front of like 200 people or, or something silly right. like this um so I'm really excited to go back and and see him you know yeah. later in August yeah um, but that was kind of that That's, was my first you got concert. a pivotal moment that's great yeah, yeah. yes um, I'm really curious how you ended up in Telluride. Like, what was it that brought you um, to Colorado? Um, well, I think I sought out from a very, well, late high school. I just remember thinking, I need to go to the mountains for college. And I applied to some schools back east, and then I just was dead set on Colorado. My parents took me skiing um, from about 10 years old on and when we hit the Colorado mountains I think I was probably 13 or 14 by the time we could afford to go to Colorado for skiing um I, I was sold I mean right away I was early teenager and I just I loved it and I've always loved skiing so Colorado was one of those places that I just really wanted to go back to my whole um well late teen years and so when I was able to apply for schools I just I was dead set on going to call you know Colorado for school. So I went to Denver and it wasn't quite the mountains. So I went to right. school there and then I moved back there after college for a little while. And I worked, um, I was commuting, uh, kind of out by the airport and really far and it just didn't make sense. And I thought this isn't the mountains. Right. So I looked for jobs in the mountains. And as we all know, you don't really go to the mountains for a career, but I tried and I was close. And so I just picked up and moved to Telluride kind of sight unseen. I thought, well, I still want to have a career and move here and do it. But 
Um, I think ski bum was more the term for a little while, but I did move to where I was using some of my skills. I moved to Telluride in 1998 and worked at the newspapers and at an outdoor retailer shop. So I made it happen. And then I just, I just stayed. I loved it so much that I just stayed and I made it work. And, and then I volunteered for all those festivals. So. And then what was it that actually got you from Telluride to Bend? How did you end up here? Uh, Telluride sort of pushed me out financially, I guess, <laughs> which is probably a term that everybody hears. Um, I decided one day to quit the job I was at, and I couldn't really get much else there that, that made sense financially to keep up what I was doing. And then I put my house on the market kind of for fun. Um, thinking, I wonder what would happen. You know, maybe it's time to move on and, or maybe I'll get something else here. Cause I wasn't really ready to leave Telluride, but I put my house on the market thinking I had some time to think about it. Well, of course the house ended up selling in two weeks. So I was kind of forced to make a decision and, uh, Ben made sense. I was with somebody at the time that turned out to be my husband that he was from Washington and I was from California and oh, nice. we have really had a big ocean mountain pole and, and I thought, well, if we're going to do this, let's do this. And he said, okay, let's do this. And how about Ben? I said, where's Ben? And this was in 2002 and we visited and I thought, okay, so this is just sort of mountains and sort of ocean and between our families. And so it made sense. And we, we did the same thing that I did moving to Telluride, like sort of without a job. And, um, we came here and 2002 and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Um, and it's, it's worked out wonderfully. I mean, obviously we all know it's a great place to raise kids. And so, um, now that Four Peaks is coming up, it's, you know, a little further than a month away. Can you tell us? Ooh. Yeah, it's very close. <laughs> um, can you tell us sort of, you know, what are the, the basic details? You know, how much does it cost? Um, right. When is it? Where is it? Yes, everybody get your tickets. <laughs> so you have secured your spot. Um, anyway, yes, it's June 16th to 19th out on this beautiful, amazing property I was saying earlier out in Tomalo. And kids under 10 are free. Camping is free. Um, everybody needs a vehicle pass to enter this year on site. And tickets are available online at fourpeaksmusic.com. And all the information is there. Um, our, you know, RV information, RV passes are sold out, but you can still bring a little camper and a trailer on site. Uh, tickets are at Cosmic Depot for locals. And otherwise, everybody else online, they're $170 right now for the full three days, including camping and kids under 10. And they are going to go up June 1st to 195 plus fees online. So it's, I mean, for the band caliber we have, and you think about some of the other arena shows you go to for 50 or $60 right. a pop, it's, yeah, it's a great deal. Um, we have new things this year, such as a movie under the stars after the main stage closes down for all family members. That'll be kid friendly. We have a silent disco happening in the late night tent. Very cool. Yeah, which is really cool. And there'll be a couple teepees on site for some fun solstice things and some jams. And then, of course, Four Peaks to a lot of people is all about the jams in the campground. I mean, we welcome music to the wee hours in the morning as long as it's not out of a large, really loud ghetto blaster. Do what? we even say get a blaster these days? <laughs> what's like your what's your tip for somebody their first year coming to the event? You know, what what are some of the things they need to bring? What else can they expect um, from their experience? Right. I mean, everything is super, super close in. You're not going to have to do a long walk. You're not going to have to bring a wagon or 
stroller necessarily for your kids. Um, it's, it's very primitive camping sort of, but we have everything right there for you in the venue. You know, there's potable water, there's porta potties, the camping is flat and grassy, um, bring shade. That is for sure. There's wonderful shade in the venue, but the campgrounds, you definitely need to bring your shade. Um, not many trees, but, um, the weather, you know, I don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood. The weather, um, is very pleasant at that time of year, you know, it could rain, it could snow, but no, but it's 75 and sunny is usually the case. So it's really nice. Um, you know, definitely bring your kids, your family, your friends, your small camper, your camper van. Um, there's wonderful food vendors this year. We've got, we've upped our food vendors this year to have more variety. So no need to bring anything to cook if you don't want. Um, there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's kombucha from Hum and Brew Doctor this year. Eight breweries, local breweries on wow. tap. Yeah, Bledsoe Wines will be there with this like great wine. And we have Ben Distillery that's going to have uh, availability for kombucha cocktails and other cocktails. So, you know, it's the full meal deal. You can just bring your camping gear or, or, I mean, you don't have to camp. If you're from Bend, you can go home at the end of the night. We have day parking, uh, but it is uh, a fee to bring a car on site this year because we're really concerned about the capacity this year. The county and myself has put a cap on the the attendees because we only have so much space. So definitely uh, carpool if you can uh, bring as many people in a vehicle as you want, but there's a cost for the vehicle. Very cool. And so I'm kind of curious, what else do you do in Ben? I know this is taking up a lot of your time, yeah. especially lately, but what other things are you doing um, around the area? Uh, well, I also am a DJ on KPOV, Ben's community radio station. So that takes up some time and it's, you know, it's volunteer, which is great, but whether it's interviews or live music every week, um, that's, that's a fun thing. And again, a passion. Um, I also am a building manager for a, an independent owner of a couple buildings here in town. So that sort of picks up any slack if there is even any from the festival full time, but, um, yeah, I manage a building and then pretty much a full-time mom as well. So and like the rest of us, I like to get out in this yeah. region and enjoy the region and do winter and summer recreation stuff outside too. So it's full, full plate. And so this is something I like to ask people. I like to ask, like, what's your favorite place? What's your best place to grab a snack or a beer? I know that's tough because A, there's a bunch of good places. And B, uh-huh. you run an event with sponsors. Right. But I think if you can just answer it quickly, we'll get the right answer. So I'm just curious, like, where's the best place to get something? Oh my gosh, two things come to mind. Probably polar opposites, but the Broken Top Bottle Shop, because it's actually right down the street from me, and they have, you know, a million beer selections, and they're wonderful people, and great, sustainable, kind of conscious food, and vegetarian, and vegan, and meat, you name it. Uh, and the other one is Salud, uh, because I just love that there's somebody in town that can sustain a raw cafe with really, really healthy wonderful options, raw, um, and then desserts that I can eat <laughs> that I love, very decadent, um, raw desserts and drinks and green juices. Um, and just, I love what Corinne is doing over there. Very cool. Thank you so much for um, spending time with us. I just want to encourage everyone to check out Four Peaks. We'll put the links um, in the show notes. And um, just want to thank you so much. For yeah, sharing. thank you so much. And uh, come and join us, Solstice Weekend. It's going to be amazing. Want to learn more about what it's like to live in Bend? Visit bendstation.com and join us for our next episode.
was perfect. <laughs> that was great. That was, yeah? That was 28 minutes. Really? Oh, my God. I rambled a little. There's probably... No, that's perfect. There's probably a minute and a half to cut out. Okay. But yeah. otherwise... Or a couple. So. More. Oh, no. No, you were off. Awesome. Yeah.